The following interview is with Sunby, the current coach for Team Fanatic that will be heading to the Singapore Major coming up in a couple of weeks. He has an extensive history in Dota 2, both as a player and as a coach, with a long tenor served alongside Team Secret, who won many golds along the way. Sunby's an interesting guy, currently staying in Seoul, South Korea, and someone who's not afraid to share his bold opinions, especially on the social media platforms like Twitter. In this interview, I get to know Sunby a little bit better and talk to him for the first time as we break down some of his edgier tweets as well as all of his takes about this DPC season. If you enjoy the podcast, as always, remember to give us a like here on YouTube, shoot us a comment with your feedback and criticism, and find us on all the usual podcast spot uh, platforms like Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. All right, folks, so welcome back to Zyori Plus One. We've got Sunby here, the coach of Fnatic. He was a player up until 2016. He's been coaching uh, pretty much ever since then, last four or five years full-time Dota 2 coach. Right now, he's living in Korea, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. So much going on in DPC right now. The first league just ended. We know who's upper, who's lower for every division, and we've got the major coming up, uh, and you're going to be traveling to that major in Singapore before too long, eh? Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll be going on um, 28 or something. I think it's like three days before we actually get to play, something like that. Okay. Um, So is what every team's doing. Any any special parameters for COVID travel? Because uh, we were just talking about it in our little pre-show. You're in Korea, the rest of the teams, and other parts of Southeast Asia. So any idea of what the travel situation looks like going from Seoul to Singapore? Um, first of all, like I don't know all the details because details are boring, but I know <laughs> some of it. And I think what Suns fan discussed in his podcast was not entirely accurate, but I can't go down the list of things and bother to correct them all. Um, <clears throat> but something is like, so yeah, I think it's like when we arrive, we quarantine, we count the first day and then we count the next day. And then from the third day, I think we are free to go into the practice room and such. So, uh, I mean, from Korea to Singapore is straight. Like it's just mm-hmm. direct flight. It's easy. Like I'm in Asia, Singapore is Asia. All For us, it's not a big issue. I think... All the other teams coming from really far, such as like Beast Coast, which is really far, right? It's like they got a like minimum twenty to thirty hour flight. I mean, probably it's like twenty five, like on average. It's it's really long. It's a it's a really long travel. Right. So they're gonna have it rough, <clears throat> and it's it's a really weird situation because COVID uh is scary, and the incubation period is. I don't know if three days is enough. I think the median is like five days. Yeah. So it is a bit risky for people involved. And there's all these like rules that are a bit weird, like um, practice rooms only available until a certain time and we're kicked out. But like... Are they team-based practice rooms? So are, are they individual or how... Is, I. I... <clears throat> I've heard that the Singapore uh, system is, is very strict, where it's a lot of time alone in your own room, and like you have to be escorted from like room to room to make sure you don't go off the path, and that it's very, um, very well controlled in that regard. Yeah, I heard the same, but these things seem to change every so often about 
the very details of them. So I don't know if what we have right now is final. No. I don't even know what it is. I I, can't, I, I stopped keeping track of right. it. I just know that it is, you're right, like it is very uh, seriously, you know, taken very seriously. The practice room, as far as I understand, is a team thing. So, excuse me, I don't really get the logic of um, until a certain time thing because does COVID sleep at night? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why, why does that matter? So um, that part's a bit weird to me. I think most of us, uh, the scene is grateful for a land, so they're just like dealing with it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I think uh, you know, like sixty percent of the teams entering the tournament will go home empty-handed after a rather uh, strict, like stringent, like not a very fun land environment. So I don't think right. they're looking forward. It, it's going to be like a half land, you know, ha half the fun of lands in the past is, you know, you get to socialize yeah. and countermingle, you know, after parties, that kind of stuff. This is going to be way different. Um, real quick before we go too far, I don't know if it's your mic or discord, but I'm catching a little feedback. Do you want to maybe just like, like, do you want to call me on discord and maybe we'll get a more favorable server and see if that has any effect? If not, we can just roll with it. But uh, No, that's, uh, that's annoying. I'll be right back then, I guess. Yeah. All right, cool. So, yeah, we're just going to do a, a quick recall, see if it helps. Um, I don't know if y'all were hearing that, but I sure was. So, um, all right, let's try this. Hello, test, test. Hello, hello. Is, uh, is it a little better? That sounds way better. So, yeah, I think it was server-related. Okay, I'm glad we did that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, it might have might have come back. All right, well, we'll try it out for a little bit here. Either way, it, it wasn't too bad. It was just one of those like if a quick reset will fix it. Figure it was worth a try. Um, mm. Anyhow, Wait. I, maybe I can fix it. It sounds. It does sound almost like a little voice mod type thing. Like it's trying to. Oh, really? Voice mod? Well, Hold I don't. Up. It's hard to explain. Uh, you could pop on the stream if you want, and you could listen to it back yourself. <laughs> It's hard to explain. It's like I can understand you, but it's there's a slight. Uh, I don't know how. Yeah. Snap crackle. Yeah. Uh, one second. Give me. I I think I'm gonna try to plug in a. I don't know if it's gonna matter, but Ethernet cable. Don't know if that if it's related to. Yeah, I don't know. As Picker said, it does almost sound like like a short in the in the headset a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe it's worth like a replug, like a different USB or something. Well, it's a wireless. So I oh, know. it's wireless. Oh, okay. Maybe something's fucking with your wireless connection. Wait. Damn wireless. Um, I just restarted it. I doubt that's what fixes it. Is it any better at all? Uh, no, I don't think so. Do you have TeamSpeak installed by chance? Mm, I, I have a TeamSpeak server that we could use and see if that makes a difference. Then just use yeah, let's try that. Discord for uh. I gotta go install it on this PC. Yeah, yeah. Give me just well, I could always use my phone. Okay. Just a little uh, live troubleshooting here. Trent and I in the past have used um, TeamSpeak because it's more reliable. And like sometimes Discord is just randomly shitty. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's Discord related, but I don't know. Yeah. But uh, we could. All right. Gonna try to plug in the Ethernet. Oh, jokes. I don't have a thing. <laughs> no port. GG. The live tech support. I love it. Oh, this is the the real esports experience here, guys. Shit that go wrong all the time. <laughs> we always joke about the Captain's Draft Four land that we did in DC when there were tech issues. Like Shane was our go-to PC guy, and he said every time he showed up in a player room with his screwdriver, the team, the players would just start laughing at him. Like you're the tech support that we called Shane with a screwdriver. That's the tech support. In my head, that's what I think of anytime someone says esports tech support. Like Shane with his screwdriver. Why? It's such a resource for not just Team Secret, but even tournaments. I think because he he does a lot of like troubleshooting on spot yeah extremely resourceful guy extremely resourceful. i think it might be internet connection related too it might be uh but yeah. i am downloading TeamSpeak as we speak one minute. yeah it did get a little worse while you were downloading so that would make sense no worries i'm optimistic about TeamSpeak. <clears throat> she's treated me well in the past yeah it's very popular in europe i think yeah, it's, I have mixed it's feelings flaming Discord, right? Because it's free, and for being free, it works pretty damn well. But using it for like actual broadcast stuff, it's just not quite stable enough. And the, having a private server for TeamSpeak is... I don't think we've ever had a time where our TeamSpeak server has gone down or like crapped out on us. It was really a Suns fan thing. Got to give credit where credit's due. He was the one that championed TeamSpeak culture amongst the Moonduck people. True, that guy's great. True old school gamer. Oh, man. My... My shit is slow, son. The hell? I thought Korea was known for your bitchin' internet. I thought it was the whole thing. You guys have Wi-Fi and 5G everywhere. No, that's true. That part's true. It's just my, my laptop is slow. My, uh, uh, <laughs> what is this called? Surface Ed? It's, 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 uh, it's going, it's going. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually quite, quite impressive, actually, the internet here. Um, it's I'm... so strong that there are a lot of people who don't even have internet connection at home. They just uh, have, like, unlimited data, and they just uh, use the phone tether. And you can play games on it with like really good ping. That's insane. I mean, that, that's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, it's very impressive. So you wouldn't be paying for internet connection. There's no need. I guess that's the future, huh? I mean, our internet here is where I live in Colorado. is It's pretty good. It's just very expensive. It's overpriced for what it is. I pay like 250 a month for internet. Oh shit, I thought I paid a lot. Actually, uh holy shit. Uh Canada is uh I think Canada has an extreme premium on their internet too. I think they're supposed to pay the most uh, uh like metric wise, but I I pay I I get a really shitty shitty one and I pay around like 120 Canadian. So it's like $100 USD a mm -hmm. month. 
we I think we have a plan like that, but it's like really shitty. Like I don't think we could stream or do stuff on it. Like the Unreal. I think we get two hundred and fifty down, twenty up, something like that for two hundred and fifty a month on biz, uh, business class line. It's pretty pricey. Yeah, those silly tiered things like that, man. Although as All we're right. chatting now, yeah, we, let's try Teamspeak, but um, say it, it is actually Almost sounding a little so. better. So it might it might be uh, might be connection related, but either I way. Think so. Okay, it's installed. I was just looking at old pictures on Instagram before we came on. Feeling old, man. Pictures from events yeah, in like that's... 2016. Oh, oof. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Dota's been around for 10 years. Uh, Dota 2's been around for 10 years, really. We're getting a picture of Slacks wearing a digital chaos jersey. My God. From the days of roaming the streets of Seattle on YouTube to to whatever he is now. So uh, young. Pretty much the face of Dota community at this point. It's, all right. I'm joining the server. Cool. Do I mute this? I think I mute this. Hello? Is it better? Hello, hello. It does sound good. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think Discord's a little laggy, so it might be some sync issues, whatever. We'll leave the camera on, leave that in the background. Be totally fine. Not worried. Excellent. Um, All right. Might need to adjust your sensitivity just slightly. It's picking up my voice a little bit in your headphones. Oh, I think the sensitivity yeah. is super, super soft. One second. Or you've got me at a deafening level in your headset. <laughs> no, not quite. It's just, it does that. Uh, sometimes it picks up the... I think it's under the capture and then the voice detection slider. Yes. Slider to the right a pinch. Uh, automatic hybrid. I like hybrid. All right, we good? Hello, test, test. Oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, you can see it. it on your end. There you go. I'll yeah. Keep blathering for you. Check, check, check. There we go. Getting into territory. I'm turn you down a bit. Yeah, that'll, that'll work too. Does it work? Yep, I think we're good now. Okay. Oh, thank God. There we go. All right, perfect. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're tw 14 minutes into the podcast and we finally got it working. But thank you for bearing with me there, somebody. I appreciate some people are like when that happens, they flop around like a magic carp. Like, I don't know how to team speak. I don't, I just, I'm the coach. That's all I do. So I appreciate you being able to roll with the punches, man. Um, what the oh, hell were sure. we talking about, though, before that? I've already forgotten. Um, um, COVID DPC, traveling, Singapore, Singapore. COVID. Yeah, yeah, stuff like so, that. Oh, yeah. So I think one of the things you mentioned, like, it's a pretty risky event knowing that 60% of the teams are going to walk away with $0. I think that's one of the big things that people are, are upset about. <clears throat> yeah. That part, like, when I was reading the the introduction of the next season's DPC, like, last year, and which was brought forth with the, uh, you know, uh, trying to reignite <laughs> the, 
trying to give life into tier two scene and whatnot, which is good, which is good. And, and there's not a single soul in the, the Dota verse that would say this is a wrong thing to do. I think everybody, like, it, you know, everybody in the scene wants a fresh blood, right? Like, who yeah. doesn't want another Sumail, another Thompson, or what have you? Um, so to say that the top teams, you know, are complacent and, and like they don't care is untrue. They they want there to be tier two because it's good for everyone. Now, uh, last year, going back to that last year when I was reading it, I thought there was going to be three majors. And when I look at that three majors, it's like, oh, it's the same budget. It's just spread across and like. No, it's actually two majors. So actually, there there is a reduction um, for this season. Yeah, because this yeah, one yeah. missed a. We basically missed a third of what was supposed to be the first season. So this is like an right. anomaly one. But you're right. We didn't get that money's just gone. None of it got kicked back into this the second and third one. Yeah, and uh, actually, the money is just being. It just keeps disappearing. It just keeps keeps on disappearing, <laughs> and. Um, like for the the very top teams that are always competing for number one and number two, actually even number two is kind of rough in Dota. Like, to Dota like is a number one kind of a game. I mean, unless we count, I mean, Ti is a special beast, but we'll we'll get to Ti later. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, so for a team that wins a lot, which is obviously Team Secret, it doesn't mean it, it affects them the least. But all the mid tier teams, so like. Kind of funny, it's right like the middle class. They they get screwed really hard. Um, yeah. So I mentioned in one of my tweets that if you win the regionals, like let's say that just some team does amazing in the regional and they win it, um, they get thirty grand, thirty grand across five players, six k, which is not going to be the case, right? There's an org cut and then there's a coach cut, maybe there's a manager cut even. But let's say it's 6k per player. That's one season. They go to the major. Somebody gets food poisoning. I don't know. Something awful happens. They choke, whatever. And they're not even that terrible. They just get. They just couldn't make it to top eight. Um, and and that's it for the single season. They made 6k per player. And the next season, they again. They're like, all right, guys, let's do it. They win the regionals. They get the first place again. They go to the major. Something terrible happens again. Bad luck. I don't know. Whatever. Again, couldn't get it. That's another 6k. So that's it. 12k. 12k a season minus the TI. And TI, anything can happen in TI. So you really can't know. Um, and some people are saying that, like, it shouldn't be on Valve to really, like, pay these players in a sense. And that is true. But at the same time, the, the salaries are, like, uh, they have a relationship with like everything else too. Like, um... well, it's the ecosystem's all relative to itself, and even just seeing major yeah. prize pools going from a million to five hundred k sponsors, like a lot of people outside of the ecosystem that are looking at Dota. It's all about the prospects, right? How are we trending? How exactly. are we moving? What's going to be the next trendy thing? And yeah. seeing a million cut into five hundred k. That's not a good prospect, right? No. And Dota is not a very attractive game for sponsors. Dota is a very unattractive game for for organizations and sponsors. And I don't think I heard from anyone that I know. It's not like I go around asking. It's, that's not my shit. But I don't know if this DPC had, been, had made things more attractive. I think it had the potential to. 
did it really come out like that? I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. Like we can we can take a case study of say a most dominant team in our scene and if and see if they have picked up any new sponsors in the past one or two years of their dominance. Well, which is Team Secret, right? They went on like seven to eight months of just how many is like seven tournament wins or something like that, mm -hmm. um, which is insane. And they've you know. I've I've been on team with them too, and like they were very dominant at the time. And did they get any sponsors during that time? I mean, that's they they're getting the most exposure of of, all, of any team in in Dota. Did they pick up any? I I don't yeah. think so. Which reflects the the scene, you know. Um, I mean, there's so there, is... there. It's also got to remember being number one. I'm sure sponsoring Secret comes at a premium. So they are also looking for a very specific set of like true tier one sponsors, I think. I don't know. But if, if I were at Secret, that would be my thought, you know. So they might outclass some, a, a tier of sponsors that are still viable, um, but can't afford the, you know, six figure starting point to get on the Secret jersey. But I, I do agree with your point overall. I, I like what you said about how this season or that this whole format could have had that big impact to jumpstart things, but it kind of didn't because of the way it was rushed, especially around the holidays. You know, like I worked pretty closely with Dota Pit for South America and having about a month's runway from complete green light to first broadcast day. And there's <clears throat> Christmas and New Year's in between during the, those 30 days. That's not a lot of time to sell sponsors um, there, you know, yeah. so yeah, I That's don't think it really theme. did. It's a common it's a common complaint I think among the TOs that like we just don't have the time to sell sponsors and I think uh, there's a disparity on how Valve looks at things because they run TI and they're like dude mm -hmm. we run TI and like what's the deal like we we get sponsors like we, if we want like but I think the TOs have a, a rough time so that's that's an issue there's always issues uh, which always I feel like it goes back to the fact that. Dota doesn't have an esports director, um, <laughs> and Dota is a, as we mentioned earlier, it's a Dota Two is a ten-year-old game. Dota itself is an older game than that, but mm -hmm. Dota Two is already now we're on our tenth year since it's international one, and we don't have an esports director. And there are, as a gamer in today's market, I think they have a lot of options. There's so many games that are trying to grab your attention. They want you to play, and they give, they make it attractive for you to play and for you to stay in that game, but Dota, I feel like they're still kind of behind the times. Like during a COVID time, there was nobody on a payroll to think about how to make this all work, how to make Dota esports work. There's literally nobody on a payroll. That that's their job. They're just thinking about how to make Dota esports work. But there was there's not a single person responsible for that in in, in the Dota, and I think that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, and, uh, I can verify yeah. that from the little bits I've heard from some of the leagues, you know, some people exchange notes and stuff. And <clears> it <throat> sounded like it was the classic, we're giving you part of the prize pool. Tell us how you're going to run the event. We'll give you the thumbs up if it's okay. And that's kind of the extent of communication you get from Valve. You know, you can ask them questions. They'll answer questions. If you have issues, they'll sort of help you out. But pretty much... It's just, uh, yeah, our, our part is giving you the money and giving you the DPC stamp as the organizer. Pretty yeah. much the rest of the magic is on you. And I don't even know if that's unfair. It's just it, it echoes the point that you're making that it's, it, it, it is so much more hands-off than I think the average person realizes. 
And I think it can be hands off. It just has to be diligent. People, there just has sure. to be someone on a yeah. Like, like what's impressive to me, like if look, I, I hate to compare, but it's a relevant one. So, League of Legends had a worlds, right? Mm -hmm. Why did they have worlds? Because they had a whole branch within that company, a whole team of people, thinking about how to make League of Legends esports work during COVID times. Right. Dota simply doesn't have that. I don't think it's a it's a it's a matter of resources either. They just it's uh, sort of a matter of culture, I think, partially, perhaps, right? Perhaps, yeah. Um, some, yeah. So that's really unfortunate. Um, and, and I think slew of problems in our scene would come because of that. I think it's because of the fact that there isn't that guy, one dedicated guy, mm. who just committed to thinking about this. Um, so that's that. And, and DPC system itself, like the way the points are spread and whatnot, is all very... It's it's a hard problem to fix. There's so many weird things about it, you know. Like, Europe is just so hard. It's just objectively such an incredibly difficult region, and you know, like getting points arguably is easier in a major for European teams than it is in their regionals. Like, if you think about that, like there is an incentive <laughs> for the European teams to actually want to go to a major because to get even a single point in the regionals you have to play like seven different teams seven different killers you know yeah yeah and not that the teams that are going to the major are strong teams but if you do make it to the playoffs like straight you, yeah. you need to be two teams you need to be just two teams in order to get any any bit of points and you could you know maybe you'll two teams instead of playing That's seven different killers yeah yeah and there is an incentive for uh other regions teams uh like weaker regions to not go to the major because it's easier to get points in the in their own regionals actually and mm -hmm. points are what matter points are what matter is a matter of perspective this um 500k major versus 40 million dollar ti you know and uh yeah. this it's a it's a crazy thing well, one so, of the things that you had tweeted that i think was pretty on point it's a great little soundbite Distribution change is good. Budget change is not. You know, this idea of, yeah, we're, this is an improvement in terms of getting more <laughs> money down towards the bottom, right? These Division II teams now have a way to make a little bit of money playing Dota where they never even had a chance before. Okay, that's pretty cool. But looking at this situation objectively, I think you have to say it's, it's come at the cost of the top, right? We haven't just added more to the bottom. We have maybe redistributed in the wrong way where TI is still this insanely top-heavy event. Most of the money is still going to two or three teams that place at TI, right? I mean, that part of the system is still fundamentally unchanged. I mean, the TI money, I think, is pretty generous, even up to a certain uh, placement. It It's not bad at all, like, even up right. to, like, top eight, I think. But I just meant in terms um, of percentages of... yeah. yeah. Look, who's who's being really squeezed here are the the mid tier teams or the mid tier teams who are still arguably like top tier teams. So like what is this to you? One. Like like fourth through eighth of division one in any given region, something like that? Like the tier you're tier one, but you're not top of division one level tier one? No, let's look at it from I mean, I've we can just go to like Ghost of Gamers rankings or just look at it by the team MMR and we just we just look at it from the ninth place. From the ninth place, right? Because top okay. eight is the only one that gets any money, right? Yeah. It, which is still very low, uh, but they get something. If you look at from nine to like 16, 
you have names like OG, Liquid, uh, Fnatic, Lions, like uh, IG. So yeah, you're you have right. Really good I mean, teams, man. According to Ghost just... Gamers, the in order one through eight: Secret, LGD, Aster, Virtus Pro, Vici, Elephant, Quincy Crew, Alliance. That's eight. Right. And then ninth is Liquid. Tenth is OG. Eleventh is Navi. Twelfth is Nigma. Yeah. So if you if you let's say that these rankings are you know perfect and they're correct and like they're gonna place that exactly in the major, then these are very strong teams that are gonna travel halfway across the world and go home empty-handed. Not even points. Not even not even DPC points. Right. So. That's um, and there are people that are saying like, yeah, but it's not zero dollars. So you play the regionals and you got some money there. Well, that's one tournament, and this is another. The way I see it, um, yeah, they're like kind of work... separate events. They, I mean, it's a, it's sort of a qualifier for the major, but it's also, it's it's a six week league. I mean, the if you look at the time yeah. for the prize pool, it's not that much, and it's tempting for I've I've seen people post this. It's tempting to say, well, the teams only have to play one series a week, so it's actually pretty good money per series. But when DPC is on, there's nothing else that you can play in, so it's not like you can use that time to grind other ESL events or other big like you know million dollar prize pool gigs. Um, you're stuck just all in on your one series a week or series and a half a week, whatever it is. So yeah, it's you're barely yeah. getting made whole for your time investment to play in the league with the league prize pools, right? I mean, am I, I crazy? Yeah. Oh, it's deceptive too because it is one series a week, and like people might be sitting there like, ah, it's like, you know, one series a week. That's not a lot of time investment, and yet it is because I mean, it depends on the team to team, but our team is a team that perform uh, in scale to the amount of work that went into it. Um, so we put a lot of time into our, uh, into our prep, into like before our series, you know, we play a lot of games, a lot, a lot of scrims, a lot of pubs, and we do a lot of discussions and the day comes, we play, you know, you, there's a lot of like things that you don't see there's a lot of time investment. I would argue that I work like six and a half days a week. I'm not complaining. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I do understand that I live a life of privilege and this is a great gig whatever but still it's a lot of time investment that, that people don't see and um it is that important if you're not there to uh just collect the bell bucks because you don't have aspirations to make it to the major nor, or or the the ti which there are some teams i feel like it'll they're like that they were not like that but halfway through the season they realized they can't so they, they don't really care that much anymore. So their effort just drops, like just plummets because there's no chance of them going to a major or TI or, or at least not getting any PC points. Okay, so it is that important. Regionals are insanely important. They're crazy important. Mm -hmm. What happened to Viking GG, I don't know if people realize just how demoralizing it is. You know, uh, no relegation matches, right? Yeah, the fact that they went to season, uh, Division Two in the second season is GG. It's GG. They have to play open. They have to play the qualifiers now for the TI. Yeah, there, there's no way to recover from that. It's they're just completely fucked in a sense, um, and that's why these DPC matches, even though they're once a week, super important. Super important. You cannot drop a single series. It's just like crazy important. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, moral, yeah. 
it, it, that is, do you find that to be an upside? Like, this is the first time that I can remember since I've been casting Dota that teams have been able to put that much prep and weight on individual series. Like, it's always been these chaotic, you know, 16 teams, star ladder group stages. Like, there's always been more games really than we could process. And now we have this opposite problem where it's almost too slow. But is is there an upside being able to like really prep and go that deep? Like, do you feel like you guys are able to play at a different level when you have that kind of time to rest and prepare in between? I think it kind of favors uh, someone like me. Um, but that's just my guess. Uh, because I like putting in the time and the effort of prepping, and I think it's a fun thing to do. And I think that's where like, where my value shows. But um, it is it is a very different uh, thing uh, from the past. Um, you know, there are Dota geniuses in our scene that just, that just, they just get it really quickly, really, really quickly. In, you know, because Dota is a crazy game. Mm-hmm. You could go into one game in the, in the same series. You can go into game one and think like this hero's garbage, and then like the next game, you're like, guys, we have to ban this hero. This this hero is just. <laughs> Guys, we need to ban it. You know, it's, it's that kind of a game, and um, I'm not really sure if I'm so quick to that, uh, to re- recognizing these things as fast as some of the other players, and uh, they're, they're like so fast on the spot. Do I like it? I like it. Uh, do I, does everyone like it? Probably not. Mm. Um, but yeah, I yeah. I, if from a commentary standpoint, it's something that we've talked about a lot with like researching picks and history and. We always go back to drafting, like, all right, if we know it, they definitely know it. And so, I mean, in South America, it's a little different because I think even in the upper division, like half the teams don't even have coaches. So that's a, a, a region where just having a coach gives you such a benefit to utilize that time in a way that's useful compared to teams like Thunder Predator going to the major. They don't have a coach, buddy. They're coachless. I don't know if you really need a coach. Like, I think. It Damn. really depends on the team. A coach I mean, saying you don't need a coach? That's that's some honest shit right there, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it really depends. Uh, coaches may really not be a necessary thing depending on the team. Um, hmm. Like, it really depends on the team culture. And the relationship between the captain and the coach has to be incredibly healthy. And uh, what is a coach there to do? Like, the coach has to realize what he's there to do. Um, it's not really, it's not always like... It's not like traditional sports, you know? Like, sometimes you're just uh, a third opinion because it's better than not having a... But third opinion that the team can trust. Mm-hmm. Not just any opinion, right? Uh, yeah. But, like, it really depends on the team, like, what your role is. I think in Asian teams, the coaches are a bit more traditional. And in the Western teams, the coaches are a bit more on the back line. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it just all depends. Yeah, it's a, It's a great... It's a fun gig. Uh, do you miss yeah, playing? I mean, I mean are, are you 100% happy as a coach? Do you ever get a little... Because it's a control thing. That's what I've heard a lot of coaches that I've talked to say, that the hardest part is like they don't have to listen to anything you say, right? You're, you're sort of along for the ride when the team is competing, when they're in the booth and you're just watching. And that that's, over time, uh, wears you down a little bit, let's say. I think that that is definitely more uh, pre- more relevant in like Western teams. Okay. I think in Asian teams, coaches carry more weight. Like as I understand it, like ROTK, it was like the brain and the the captain of the team. Like he his words had weight. 
he called the shots on like what worked and what didn't. For me, I think like because I come from both backgrounds, I give. I don't know. I just try to be useful as much as possible. Hopefully, like, <laughs> and if I'm sticking around, I guess they find me useful. That's how I see it. Um, do I miss playing? I think it would be a lie to say that I don't, but not nearly as much as before, because I know very well that I am not competitive anymore. You know, like when you just mm. suck at a game, it just it just pisses you off. It's like it's like. I hear you, dude. Uh, I've been sucking yeah. at Dota for a long time, and I'm still playing. So, I'm with uh, you. It's just, <laughs> it robs the fun away of like you just see like your terrible self, and you're like, ah, oh, man, like you know, like yeah. it's not like I, I was better than this at least. Uh, I know that I'm not competitive anymore, so there's no drive, and I would never. I would really, 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 really try to avoid playing, even as a stand-in for my own team. Because I think that corrupts the the coach player relationship, and that never seemed to end well for the mm. people that uh, I mean, unless you're Seb. But that guy is an exception. Yeah. He's just <laughs> too godlike. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, the outliers. Yeah, uh, really yeah. I, man, you're. I just noticed your birthday. We're a month away from uh, what thirty one, right? Wow. Yeah, I, I guess I've that's. Been... Oh yeah, Korea. You guys have a different age system i always forget no nah, it's pretty much the same but like they count as one since you're born but i mean i stopped counting uh, I stopped. <laughs> after i hit 30. It's yeah just, I, every year is like ah, uh, yeah i get it i'm old exactly it feels weird saying happy it's like a, a happy birthday is like this weird ironic thing to say to somebody at that age it's like you're just reminding me now man there ain't nothing happy about it just the happiest birthday gift you can give me is let me forget that it's my birthday <laughs> dude i lose like like reaction games with like like non gamers like and I, and I lose like 1002 like those those Mario Party games this is purely reaction based <laughs> that fall guys shit yeah i can't beat them i can't beat them just <laughs> just 10 like I, I yeah it's just not even a gamer so it's like all right i give up whatever man well and you win. i mean one thing about your coaching like resume is how few teams you've coached for yet you've been coaching for so long like you were the coach for, for secret foot two and a half years three years something like that and yeah then, that was a sweet gig that was a lucky one <laughs> a lucky one huh why Why do you say that just uh you know, quality of players and, and whatnot well um lucky because honestly like how how did I get in that team? Like, just sheer luck. Just happened to have MP in that team. MP recommended me. And I guess I stuck around. Um, in a sense, that team was... It's, it's in the... It's, it's, uh, I mean, I joined at a rough time, right? It was right after their scandal. Um, that was and... the first event they played in, was the Dota, Dota, uh, Dota Summit 7. And the roster yeah. was MP, Mid One, Kezu, Yapsor, Puppy. So I think that was the first event you actually coached them. Yeah, that was a fun experience. It was the first time. And I, I legitimately, like, I just, like, asked, like, Puppy's, like, why do you, like, you're Puppy, like, why do you care about my opinion? And he was very <laughs> real about it. Like, because I didn't, he was very real about, like, you know, what he needs from a coach and whatnot. And I was like, all right, I, I could work with this. It's, it kind of, like, right away, you talk to a guy and you kind of realize like okay like there's a reason why this guy's been winning for like the past like 15 years he's a he, he these are very special people that the scenes like that that really do stick around these mm -hmm. are very special people 
the Kuros and the puppies and the no-tails, these are very special people. And uh, there's a reason why they're winning and they've been winning. And it, it was very clear to me um, right away, like speaking to the guy very, for just a moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, so MP was the one that recommended you. So how did you, I mean, that is an interesting thing. Like, how do you deal with somebody? I, I don't want to like say ego is a bad way about puppy, but a player that's so credentialed and such a recognized captain, like, I'm not surprised that was your reaction when you joined the team. Like, really? You, you care about my advice? Like I, I, I think anyone couldn't help but feel that way. I, puppy is definitely, uh, got a reputation for having strong opinions at times. Right. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a huge like puppy fan, and I'm of the opinion that Same. puppy is like IBM to Microsoft and Apple. I think everyone <laughs> that's played with him, what an analogy! They steal from him, and like they they do good afterwards. Or like there's something that you take away from experiencing the puppy Dota. And um, no, I mean he's you. You would say ego, but I like. Uh, it's not quite ego. That's it, that's not just, the right word. No, it's it's like and confidence say, say, and then some yeah. other stuff mixed in there. It's uh, <laughs> that's why I say he's a very impressive person because with all his achievement and me just being a gosh darn nobody, and like just you know like he gave me a lot of like respect and confidence to to say what i want to say and uh, to be able to do my job there was that's why like i could see right away like yeah there's a reason why this guy's winning this these are special people they really are man like it wasn't it wasn't difficult at all it wasn't difficult at all it was so, good times so what was the transition out like that was last event you did with secret was ti9 um, and I don't know, was, was there ever, was there a PR statement about you leaving as a coach? Was there some drama there that I'm forgetting about? Um, what, what happened? Dude, I don't even think there was, I don't even think they said a goodbye to me. I don't remember. That was it? Just, you just drifted away? It's just like curling? Well, um, you, you just floated off? I think my performance as a coach has been declining over the course of uh, Secret's uh, life. And uh, part of that, I think, I mean, I, I would have to take a lot of responsibility in that. Um, Maybe I got too complacent. Maybe this is the the, the transition I need, the kick that I needed. But it wasn't rough or anything. It I mean, was is just, fourth uh, at TI really that bad? I don't mean to interrupt you, but you say that like you guys bombed out. You got fourth at TI nine. I guess before that, you guys were uh, you placed poorly at the Epicenter Major, but there were still a lot of wins in 2019 leading up to that TI. You guys took first at ESL one Birmingham, MDL Disney, ESL one Katowice, Chongqing Major, like. You guys, you guys were still kicking pretty hard, no? Am I? No, I think uh, I think we were that that season. I think the disappointment was that we didn't win it. And yeah. anything, you know, it says there's one winner and like 17 other losers. Is the how you look at things. And um, Ti is brutal. Ti is really brutal in that sense. It's the only. It's I, I actually. I think a lot of players are probably traumatized by Ti of just how brutal it is. It's. Oof, I don't even like watching like these true sites or like or like the the post game interviews because it hurts too much. It's like, oh, I know that feel. It's the only tournament where things really, really, really hurt. Um, so it's like okay, life changing. So, yeah. It's... Yeah. I think there was a life cycle though. Like, I think I was in the end of it. Like, uh, I've already contributed enough and said enough things, and uh, 
sometimes in Dota, you just need a change. Uh, and Heen was available. And, you know, Heen came to me. He asked me, it's like, so this gig's on the table for me. Like, and I think it was like, uh, he was asking, hey, what do you think? Like, you know, do I have your blessing pretty much? It's like, yeah, of course. Like, fucking go for it. It's a great gig. It's great people. Like, you'll love it there. It was, it was not at all, it was very good. You know, I, I'm still incredibly grateful for my time, my tenure at uh, Secret. Learned a lot, made good friends. Um, practically saved my life, really. And um, I, 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 if anything, there's only, um, I feel sorry that I couldn't do more. Um, hmm. But there were moments I do feel good about my contribution to the team. Um, and and I will I will cherish those moments. I mean, there you definitely have a lot to be proud of. There there were a, a lot of trophies. I mean, I, I definitely hear what you're saying about TI is this brutal all in tournament, and it feels like we came so close, but that's the finish line. But still, <clears throat> I mean, those tournaments along the way, I, th- those majors were big wins. There, there was some stiff competition in some of those events, so it's it's still impressive, man. Yeah, it's just uh, a major was worth one thirtieth of a, yeah. a TI, yeah, and that's uh, that's where. How interesting! It really shouldn't be looked at it oh. that way, but it just kind of ends up being that way. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It's and, and like that. Yeah, winning TI is so disproportionately different from everything else. Even second place at TI, right? I mean, that's still second place is nutso, but first place is that's that's the real game changer. Things are forever different after that. Um, I don't think people really truly understand like the gravity of TI. Um, it's as closest thing that we're gonna have to like. I mean, other games, you know, like. CSGO doesn't have a TI, and they have majors. And I dare say that their scene will see an incredible change if they had a TI. Because TI mm. is just... Uh, you know why TI meta exists, man? It's because TI is the only time when true Dota gets played. It's, it's like the only time. the real peak, the true 100% conditions, everyone on land, just... It's all the preparation. You're... Yeah, it's practically like... I, I. This is... You know, like... it's It's like... People have to win. People have to win. It's like the aliens are invading, and they're like, yeah, we're going to annihilate you unless you beat us in a series of Dota, and now you're playing <laughs> for your survival. That's what TI is. TI is like true Dota. True Dota. That's why all these heroes come back every time TI comes around, because that's what Dota should have been about. So everything else is like not really relevant. I mean, like they're relevant for that time period. But when that, when TI comes, towers matter, team fights matter, mm-hmm. timings matter, strategy matter, at a whole another level. It's it's a very yeah meaningful event, and it should always be there because it's the truest form of Dota. Damn, you know, I it's like I always knew that, but I've never heard somebody say it that that crystal clear. You know, that's like a PSA. Like D- TI is the only time true Dota is played. That's a bold yep. statement, but I kind of think it's true. I know what you mean. It like when you watch it, it feels different. There's a different level of care. Like it's the the only time everyone is playing at like 110% to the point that they like everyone is maxed out. It is the the most competitive state that you can be in is TI. It's an elevated Absolutely. state that you can't access until it's actually TI. Like you can't replicate it, right? That's what makes it so precious. Yeah, because it's a uh... Because competition is all, like, uh, 
relevant to everyone. You know, you can only be as strong as your opponent's going to push you to be. And there are times when uh, Secret has won majors with not a lot of effort, to be honest. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, that's yeah, that's very different uh, when, when the time uh, comes. Because then everybody's yeah. going to push you to your limits. Things move fast, Definitely. really fast. I mean, speaking of that, do you do you think back and miss the old like MVP hot six days, like the old KDL when Dota first dropped in Korea, uh, like when Nexon was still the publisher in Korea before League of Legends just completely took over every aspect of esports in your country? Um, I mean, do you ever just like flash back to those days and go, God damn, we didn't know how good we had it? Because I definitely feel that way about like my days at BTS when some of that stuff was going on, like. Damn, there were still like third-party tournament compendiums and all this kind of stuff. Like, just damn, we didn't know how good we had it back then. Or, I mean, I'm curious what it was like from your perspective, flashing back to those days. Yeah, so those days are the transition between an incredibly gate-kept community of professional Dota to more of an opening world, right? Like that was the the the. Because my my KDL days were basically Sumail wasn't there yet. Sumail was just uh, mm-hmm. he was this was be, you know be like TI three to TI four and TI five right. was coming up pre DAC. Um, yeah, so this these were still times when things the doors were still very closed, and uh, not not terrible not for like bad reasons either because you because there were so many so few events that. You kind people kind of got in on a vouch process. Otherwise, uh, you might not be invited to the next event anymore. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. tough times. Yeah, uh, it was early days of Dota two. Do I miss it? Um, no, not really, because I think it was not a fun experience for me. It was a very humbling experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So in that sense, it was a very good experience, but. It wasn't. It's not an experience that I miss. It, it wasn't was, fun. <laughs> it was super rough, dude. It was yeah. like I was like I am pretty sure like I lived like below poverty levels and like it, I picked up a lot of like health issues and disease during that time. Like it was, disease. it was not fun. Ooh. Yeah, dude. It was. It's Korea was not fun times. I think especially because I was on the losing team too. Like it was. It was terrible. Um, I think things may have been a bit more different for like Zephyr because they were. They were the successful team of the the Korean scene at the time, and mm-hmm. they might have had more fun. But no, my my life was not good. It was ass. I mean, I'm gonna look back. Like the KDL prize pools were, they weren't that big. Season one was 60k. Season two was uh, that's for tier one. Uh, <clears throat> season two was 60k again. So it's not like terrible money, but it's not it's not good money either, right? Um, I mean, at the time, I think it was a lot of money because there's uh, the scene was. was soft versus the amount of money that was available versus the, how soft the scene was, which is why, you know, um, like Purge came and like uh, yeah. Bamboo came and whatnot. Right. But uh, no, it was just just not that good. Like, I don't I don't really miss it at all. But I think it was a very important experience for my growth as uh, as a Dota player now coach mm. like 
a very necessary one. I wouldn't be here today if not for that experience. Right. The the perspective. Yeah. Dude, she was rough, man. Like I couldn't I like I couldn't even afford like haircuts. Like I mean, was it because MVP Phoenix wasn't taking care of you? Like did you guys have player salaries on, on that squad at all? No, there was no salary. They they gave Damn. us food and shelter, but like uh because you know, not winning shit, there's no money. And I was just not very good. Uh Still, yeah. that's there's a difference between low salary and zero salary. Zero salary is fucking brutal. Like that's that's savage. Yeah, I mean, I think things are a bit different now. They, I mean, th that was already like you know, like seven, eight years ago. Uh, and even the things have improved drastically since then. Um, although you know that team is no more. Um, just the overall standards for esports players has risen a lot higher for the younger guys. So good for them, you know. Um, yeah, you know th that's what it should be. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I think, before we started recording, but throughout this season, you've been in Korea while the team has been in other parts of Southeast Asia. So you've been sort of remote, but within the region. So you haven't been coaching because normally you're in Canada, right? Instead <coughs> of uh, Korea. Yes. Um, so how how's that been? Like you mentioned, the pub culture and stuff like that. Um, is, is that really? Does is it? Like the local meta is a big part of being able to analyze as a coach, so you need to be able to play in the region to see what the the locals are are up to. Is that part of the logic of being within the same kind of server space? I think it's relative to um, my like if I were a Dota god, I don't think it mattered. But because I'm far from that, um, me being here is very, very like important, um, and it's also it's. It's not even the enemy team. It's like trying to understand like my team mm -hmm. and like my team's perspective on what they think is strong. Like I need to vibe with our guys. So if I'm not vibing with our guys, then they feel bad about like what I'm saying. They don't then like I feel like an asshole and like it just makes the environment not very fun. Um and even if it might not be true, they will think that way. <laughs> you know, it's like Yeah. So there's a human element to it. There always is. So uh, when you know when when success is on the line, uh, we have to do everything that we can in order to increase that chance. So that's why I'm right. here. Okay. Is it? And I, I have no idea what your situation is like. Like, do you have family in Korea? Like, is it nice to be back in Korea, or would you rather be in Canada? Is there? Is it kind of both are awesome and it's just different? I'm I'm curious what the comparisons like having a, a foot on each base. No, I don't really have family in Korea. Um, my grandma's like 94 years old, so there's that. But I'm not really close with the the other relatives. Um, and the the rest of them are in like uh, in other parts of uh, so, uh, Korea, and it's hard to visit, especially during COVID times. Yeah, it's inconsiderate for me to visit them. Um. But like Korea, I like Korea, but I also, you know, there's always a love and hate, I think. Uh, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. I, I think I enjoy the chillness of Canada more. Where, where Canada are you normally in Canada? Toronto? Vancouver? Oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm near Toronto, but like, you know, it's like the boondocks. Oh, there's, okay. there's really nothing there. And I kind of like that. Right. I like being bored. All right, that's. I mean, that's that's very uh, gamer esque. I just want to have my little cave and a nice quiet spot and play my games. Leave me the hell alone. I like it. Are are you near Seoul, in Korea? Oh, I'm in Seoul. In Seoul, I'm in the, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in the 
the Itaewon area, which if any any like people who are kind of familiar with the like K dramas, they would know this area because there was a recently a drama about it here. But this is kind of like the ghettos of Seoul, but it doesn't. It's not really dangerous or anything. It's just undesired. Undesired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've I've only uh, been to Korea once. I when I, we can travel again, I'm excited to go back. But um, yeah, great place I, to visit. I can't. I I remembered for a while, but I hung out with a couple of the like Overwatch uh, casters and StarCraft casters, like uh, Tasteless <laughs> and that crew, like Wolf. Those guys. I don't know if you ever. Oh, those guys were a lot of fun. I believe. Like, yeah. 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 We. I used to see them a few times, like at events. This has been here forever. Yeah, yeah. They they've got a cool. They've got a little group of like um. What's it? Jenna Bain is there now, and a couple other people have relocated to Korea. They got a little crew of like foreigner esports people that all hang out and. God, I can't remember the, the the name of it. It's like there's like a military base, I think. So there's a lot of uh foreigner. There's an American military base nearby. They all go drink there. Uh, I can't remember. I keep wanting to say Wuhan, and I know that's not it. I've just heard that word way too much, and it's clouding my memories now. Fuck. Yeah, I think I think I kind of know where it is, but I know what you're talking about. I yeah. mean, um, I think StarCraft recently just dropped all the English casters. Oh, really? So yeah, that's unfortunate for Tasteless. Yeah. Um, I noticed they gone. were doing uh, Valorant stuff. Uh, like they, I saw Artosis tweet something about it. So maybe they're they're making the pivot. I guess. Always gotta right. Uh, yeah. Is StarCraft still popping in Korea though? Like I, I feel like that's like your country is keeping StarCraft alive from the little bits that I I hear about that game these days. I don't know about StarCraft two, but I know StarCraft one is still going. Are you serious? Relatively you guys strong. are still playing Brood War. Brood War is uh, actually, yeah, it, it's had a recent revival in the past few years, and uh, the scene itself is still wow. like there. Um, the, yeah. Is the... surprisingly young guys playing it too, right? Like, there's like 23, 24 year olds playing it, 22 year olds playing it. It's like, why are you getting into StarCraft? Did you? This game came out when you were born. Did you grow up in Korea or did you grow up in Canada? I grew up half in Korea and half in Canada, so to say. But at this point, not anymore. I guess so, I'm too old. I mean, I'm curious. Like, were you were you exposed to like StarCraft marketing? As a kid, like as a foreigner, the first thing that I really got into with StarCraft was GSL. And I remember staying up late and watching that <laughs> shit and being like blown away by the production of just all the crazy quick cuts. I mean, it was better produced than some sports I've seen in North America. So like obviously they had been broadcasting StarCraft for a long time. They had it down to a fucking science. Um, is am I is it like the foreigner effect that I'm wowed of, or is that wow? like appropriate is it actually that impressive even like in the local culture as well i think gaming as a culture has really established itself very well in korea uh from early on um and but uh like i think nowadays korea is outpaced in their esports culture by other nations hmm. um so Brood War came out in 1997. I mean, sorry, StarCraft One came out in 1997. Brood War came out in 1999. I left Korea in 1999, and mm. I remember StarCraft was crazy when I was like growing up, like in that in that two year period. Uh, I remember going to the bookstore, and the very first guy that won a StarCraft tournament, he wrote a book, and I still remember the title. Uh, it was literally translated it's like follow everything that i do uh just just follow everything that i do 
and that was the title of the book. And I, I remember seeing it, and I was like, wow, there's a freaking StarCraft-like strategy book uh, in a bookstore. So it really seamlessly um, blended in with the culture. PC cafes started like popping up everywhere. And uh, yeah, it was... Hmm. But I was not allowed to go to the PC cafes because it was like for adults. <laughs> kind for of. degenerates. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of smoking, and it was really dimly lit rooms and it was not nice the kids couldn't go yeah tobacco um, culture is wild in korea i it really stood out to me as an american where you like you can't really smoke inside but you can kind of smoke inside in a lot of places where it's like not it's like it seems pretty highly tolerated <laughs> like there are a lot of bars that i went on, to that yeah. were kind of underground and people would it's like they step outside the door but they're still kind of standing inside while smoking sort of thing there was a lot of that stuff and it really changes fast. It's a country that really changed super fast. Like, you know, if you leave for one year and come back, you'll see that, like, a lot of things have changed. The The turnover rates of these, like, uh, stores and stuff is extremely high. They come and go super fast. So, like, even, like, a few years ago, I think you could smoke inside, like, land cafes. Uh, and now I believe it's just, like, it's completely done. not allowed or they have a different room for it things move so quickly and people are very used to things moving quickly that they don't they don't realize but as a foreigner coming stepping in and out of the country you realize that like all the stores you loved is now just gone like within a year's time or whatever like there's used to be so many bubble tea shops here like uh end of 2019 i can't find any i can't find really? any i don't know where they all went yeah. But I can't find any. Taken over by traditional coffee shops. All the Starbucks clones, dude. I, I just can't find any. So, like, but it's it's a it's a country of uh, a fast trends, and things move so quickly here. It's, it is what it is. Huh. I mean, that makes sense, though. It's a country known for a lot of innovation and things that move. Like, being technologically advanced <coughs> means you're consistently adopting new technology. So it makes sense that shit changes real quick. I mean. Yeah, it's a rat race. Yeah. It's it's a red race here. Y'all have no shortage of, of technology. Um, all right. I want a hard pivot. I want to ask you about these South America tweets, buddy. Uh, what What's going on with, with Sunbee and SA Dota, specifically the one the day after Christmas? Do you remember this one? South America Dota like to complain that their scene gets shit on all the time, but their sponsored pros uh, are the least professional in pubs. So when you don't value your own craft, the scene doesn't value you. Can you really complain? Um I mean, I'm just crying because I had a bad <laughs> experience in pub. That's what it is. There's like probably a nugget of truth there, uh, which is relevant to not just SA, but probably NA too, because there are clearly, um, you know, those people in both regions. But no, it's true though. Like, uh, that was one of my follow ups. I was like, is it really worse than NA? Because I was watching Jenkins play pubs last night and it looked pretty fucking bad <laughs> i mean i will never know until there's total segregation but yeah. i do think like i think you, I, I think people would be disingenuous and like they'd be lying to themselves that a, a big portion of the games are just ruined by a lot of like essay players uh and there's just there's no culture of responsibility well in either regions really actually this this actually there's a very funny topic about this, which is relevant to match fixing, um, betting on games or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, 
the standards of living, cost of living is the highest in North America. It's higher than Europe even. Um, but okay, like let's let's count Europe too. Europe and NA, two highest standards of living, uh, cost of living. Why is it that in these two regions, you have the lowest rate of like match fixing? Um, like if it shouldn't, in, in a sense, wouldn't, shouldn't it be higher because cost of living is higher? If, if money is truly if it's the money. issue that people are talking about, yeah. yeah, if it's money. So obviously there's like a culture of like responsibility, uh, accountability in this regards to and a culture of ethics you know being being raised to understand that cheating on a bet is like just not acceptable behavior you know like my if i told my parents i did that as a kid or something they would have been upset about the ethics of it it wouldn't have been excused by yeah but did you make five bucks oh okay then it's cool you know it's no it's it's, it's the principle i mean it's uh like i say um i have an immense respect for like good players that are like trying to make their best you know like i don't always like uh like i don't go out of my way recognizing these people uh and giving them like uh it could be a dank youtube video though buddy i mean i don't i don't try to like give them a high five or whatever but because like that's what's expected of you you should but like players like moose who is a great guy you know he's trying his hardest He's, he's a true professional from what I can see. And a lot of the Brazilian uh, players, I have a lot of respect for them because like, they're, they're trying to make it. They're trying to do it. I can see it. I can see the hustle. They're doing good. Mm-hmm. But then there's other players who are just complete assholes. And that's not nice because it takes only one guy to ruin a game, you know? That's true. But if you, if you look, if you like click player conduct and, you're, and it says like, if you're the, you're the, you know, 80% of people have low reports like you or something like that. I'm like 80% it's not that's like what that's not good enough man that's like <laughs> it only takes one guy to ruin a game apply there's it to uber people, you know there's two guys that are like assholes really <laughs> yeah. your, your chance of getting assholes in the game is 2 out of 10 like 20% pretty high that's, yeah that's too high man. that basically means you're lucky to get a game that is just a normal game that isn't ruined you know let, let alone be one that you can you know, play your hero or do your thing or whatever it is yeah um but so it sounds like you, so you 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 b- strongly believe that match fixing is disproportionate across the region so I, I don't have clear data on this i suspect this is true but i can't say for certain that match fixing is more pr- or exchange of insider information unethical behavior involving gambling on player stuff um south america southeast asia cis disproportionate compared to china north america europe it, would you say that's a true statement uh, i think i just no comment on that one okay fair enough yeah. that's, that's fair I, I think partially because I remember the podcast I did with Gods where he said something and like we framed it poorly, but that idea of like 75% of games in Southeast Asia have some sort of manipulation going on, whether it's a wow, first blood 75. or an F, 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 uh, F10K, whatever. Um, and it's like that number is obviously not like, I don't have like a spreadsheet that's like, look, it's 73.2%. But he said that's just from speaking to people in the scene, pe- speaking to people that work at betting companies that kind of collude on that data and monitor that stuff, that it's it's hard to know, but there's a shitload of what would be labeled sus behavior going on to the point that it's, you know... Excuse me. It's pretty staggering. 
depends on the team culture, really. Um, I know for a fact that in my short time with TNC uh, in 2017, that they were not the type of people to do any of that. They were mm -hmm. really good kids. You know, they they would gather and like pray before matches. And these are these were good good kids. They were actually the the as I understand the formation of that team was just handpicked players like uh, good players from the the MM, uh, that they enjoy playing with in pubs and they were they were great people and they mm -hmm. still continue to be great people i know boom wouldn't do anything like that those guys are good kids are there people yeah. like that probably i don't really know it's not something that i like actively go and like search for right it's really like under my radar not because i'm above it or whatever it's just i'm busy I'm i busy, feel you. like no fair yeah, enough yeah. i'm curious though d did you catch the headline about zero nine hundred getting banned and and read into the details of that because that was supposedly Jer jericho betting on all right. the 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 real story is that zero uh, nine hundred oh. went two one against Team Inverse, who were bottom of the group, and people accused them of throwing Game Two in that series. They stomped Game One. You know you can win the series, and they placed a bet on uh, Inverse to take at least one game. So to prove that that did not happen, Jericho booted up his stream to show the bets that he supposedly placed on his team to win proving that they wouldn't have thrown intentionally because then he would have lost money. And then once it became apparent that, like, dude, you can't bet on yourself either. That's, like, basically just as bad. Um, it got pivoted to, no, these are my friend's bets that I'm showing. But, you know, I just told him that we were going to have a good day or that we were going to slaughter him or whatever. So then it became this conversation about players <coughs> exchanging insider information. And I think that's where the dialogue ended to be somewhat useful of obviously betting on yourself isn't good even if it's to win but telling your friend like hey i know they're gonna have a stand-in or i know that we've got this new pocket strat or whatever then your friend places bets for you you can't fucking do that right that's common knowledge i'm not am i crazy like as a player slash coach is that just is that common knowledge to you have you ever heard a, a rule or has valve ever told you like explicitly that insider information is akin to unethical behavior because Jericho kind of died on that hill of I didn't bet on myself to lose intentional throwing is what match fixing is and my stance is that match fixing and unethical behavior encompasses more than just intentionally throwing a match I think I just draw the line at don't don't bet on your games or I think uh Valve said in the past like just don't bet on any games, I think something like so that. Just uh, don't, just don't touch it. Yeah, I think that's what is expected of you too, right? But I, I'm not really sure if I'm blurring the lines of like the values that I grew up on versus what is like common knowledge or whatever. But look, like, um, my values are all mixed up because I grew up in like both Korea and Canada. But in Korea, like match fixing, especially in esports, is a huge no-no. Mm -hmm. Uh, huge, huge no-no because it's like jail um, time, right? Haven't Starcraft go players to gone to jail? They super go to you're a criminal. Yeah. You're a, you're you're a criminal, which was uh, the irony for me was when T1, what was a uh, Korean company, uh, now bought out by I guess uh, Comcast or something. But anyway, they hired uh, the former CS:GO match fixer. To me, this was culturally like really weird because like oh, you yeah. dude, your your legacy is a Korean company, and you you're you're hiring a a felon uh, in, in Korean standards, pretty much. Um, it's a very serious deal. Uh, it's, it's super unacceptable. So for me, it's just like, 
nope, nope, nope. I don't touch it. I don't even yeah. want to be associated with it. Uh, don't talk to me about it. I don't care. <sighs> yeah. I, yeah. Jericho should not have done that, obviously. I mean, that's a good um, stance for you to take, I think. I, I, I feel you. That was sort of my side. I was stunned that they were so e- eager to blur the lines of like, well, no, this isn't the same. Like, dude, I don't... You're like poking the hornet's nest and hoping not that many hornets fly out. And I got news for you that you're, <laughs> I don't think he's playing in the second season. And in the podcast, he seemed confident they'd be able to play in the second season. I'm not so confident, but we'll see. I'm not so sure. Like, I think Jericho, like, his heart was kind of in the right place of like, dude, we're just confident that we're going to win. Like, and not in the bad way either. It's like, we're just better team. Like, yeah. we're going to win. Yeah. Not not with any information like yeah like that the other team has a food poisoning and I and I knew that before that no I don't think it was like that it's just he believed in his own team, um but don't don't get involved don't don't get yeah. involved guys like why why are you like I mean it's it's a weird thing because like what's the deal like are you having trouble putting food on the table is there not do you not have a roof over your head if everything is going well why are you doing that it's right. weird to me. I, I think greed is the only answer that I, I can throw into the hat there. Um, but what the, the real shame of this, though, is what I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I suspect that there's going to be a, a follow up conversation here about team accountability. So let's say, for example, all five of you are living in a team house. The five of you have PCs in the same room in a U shape where you play all your matches. If that one player is placing bets in that room, do the other four players know, and is it appropriate to hold them liable as complicit if they tactfully look the other way on it? Um, that is a complicated conversation as well. Extremely, because there have been cases when, uh, in the current season of DPC, the teammates playing from their own homes in the current COVID situation have reported on the uh, their ally player like mm-hmm. doing that, and Valve just disqualified them, right? They just DQ them all. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, I'm not really sure. That seems a bit unfair to me because I feel like they were doing due diligence and they're trying to make the best. They're trying to make the best decision that they can. And the end result is that they all get punished in some way or another. Yeah. Um, that's a bit unfair to me, but I'm not sure what the, how do you, how do you fix all that? We don't want to de-incentivize whistleblowers. That's for sure. Because whistleblowers yes. that have frontline evidence are one of the few ways we can, without, with, with extreme confidence, feel okay about a lifetime ban. Right? That's why this stuff is so messy. Because you can't falsely accuse someone. That alone really fucks somebody's shit up. So you got to be like real sure. Like a shitload of evidence. We are positive this happened. Yeah. Maybe it happened multiple times. So yeah, I, I think anybody who's on a team... like. Wasn't there that weird example in uh, North America in one of the BTS events where DN is it DNZ is that his handle where his, two of his teammates ha- were in on the fix but he wasn't so his teammates started disconnecting and pretended to have internet issues and then he three carried the game with the two players like he played three heroes and they still won and it yeah what a champ right yeah I love that guy actually and, that guy's a hero and I don't think he got in trouble because like you look at that and you're just like it is so obvious this guy was like guys what the fuck is happening right now please like you know he was just trying his hardest to win and like it's a very clear example where you know he wasn't in on it but fuck man there's it's not always that clear the games don't always shake out like that right i mean we don't know if he would have been punished or not under the dpc because True. that was not a dpc event. that's actually that's a good point that was just a bts event right right fair yeah so like i absolutely 
Yeah, that's scary. To I have so much about. respect for that. Respect for that kid. It was three of his teammates that were doing shady stuff, and the two of them just held their ground and like, yeah, we're gonna win like two v five, and they did. Like, what? A... <laughs> that's <laughs> so godlike. It's so yeah, good. <laughs> That's oh my God. such a sick story. And it's also just an amazing fuck you to the match fixers, right? Like whatever money they put on that fix, they lost. And that's, that makes it even sweeter. So that's... And he's a young kid too. Young kid. Yeah. He's like, what, 17, 18? He's, he's a young like kid with good good values, man. True competitor. No, yeah. I love that kid. Love that guy. He doesn't know it, but yeah. amazing. No, I love it, dude. Um, but I've definitely got a soft spot for South America. I, I feel like covering this season of DPC, interviewing the players and, and getting to know them a little more made me a little more empathetic of some of the struggle in the region. And I, I can't stop seeing these parallels from when I joined BTS in 2014 and how the Southeast Asian scene was sort of in this shambles state, struggling with infrastructure, struggling with connectivity. Teams were changing rosters like crazy. The pubs were notorious for disconnects and pause and toxicity. It's like SA is so similar to Southeast Asia, just like six or seven years behind. You know, they're in like a time warp where they're they're just starting to catch up now that SA is a part of DPC, but there's still a really long way to go. Like most of the players that we, we sent this questionnaire out to players. <clears throat> and one of the questions I said, what would you do if you won a major? What would you do with the prize money? And basically all the lower division teams said, I would buy a house for my family. And then I would start an esports team that actually takes care of players. Like that's alarming that all the players in that region have this feeling of, yeah, there's like a, couple orgs here most of them are super corrupt we don't really trust them we need to start our own generation of players that take care of other players like that is cool and potentially promising to me mm, i mean i don't know what the story or the situation is i think there are handful of players that i uh that i enjoy playing with uh in pubs when i get them it's a pleasure you know because dota should be a fun game and anyone that makes Dota a not fun game, I think, is like, they <laughs> should be right. jailed, honestly. Um, Very pragmatic. Yeah, no, fuck them, honestly. Dota's a fun game, and it's the best game, but like, people should really like try to have fun. It's a fun game, man. It's a great game. And uh, I don't know what's going on there, but as long as like they're eating, you know, they're they're like eating and like there's roof over their head and they got beds. I don't know. And a computer. Um, That's the other the yeah. other big one. I, I've noticed there are definitely some of the younger players. They're like the lack of access to land cafes because <clears throat> of COVID, I think definitely did hurt some some players that have had to adjust and find other means. But there are definitely players playing on like I mean, we're talking about Hertz over here. They're not even hitting sixty FPS, you know? Um Oh, that's rough. I mean yeah, that, that's rough. That infrastructure still I, I think because there's no like journalism and there's no boots on the ground doing coverage of it and all of their content is scattered about Facebook and impossible to find if you don't speak Spanish or Portuguese, um, we don't really see it. But I bet if we were to look at those 16 teams and uppers and lowers SA lined up and look at their rigs, we would be stunned at some of the like laptops from the early 2000s that are still chugging along, running Dota at the lowest settings possible. And it's like when you factor some of that stuff in, you go, man. I wonder what these guys would play like if you took off those shackles and just gave them one of the extra computers I have sitting next to me right now that hasn't been powered on in a year. You know, like we take that hardware shit so much for granted. And that was one thing I realized a lot, just getting to know these I players mean, a little more. That's my upbringing, too. And I think a lot of like NA players, uh, we might be in different places in life now, but 
like back uh, 2013, before I joined MVP, I had a shitty laptop that ran Dota at like lowest settings, like 30 FPS. And I went to tournaments with it in the local tournaments with it. Um, and yeah. I know a lot of my friends were super ghetto as well. Like Dota was not, <laughs> Dota was a ghetto ass game for ghetto ass people. And <laughs> it's, uh, it was rough. I mean, I would argue that it's still rough in NA because there's no, oh, yeah. there's no community support really. Like, uh, um, I mean, none of the teams are really sponsored. Like I, I look at DPC, like who, who sponsored in the, the div one of NA Dota. Like, uh, it's rough everywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying like it makes things work. Uh, I'm not saying that like it doesn't make things, it's not bad for the essay. It's just, no, I mean, I think you're right about NA as Dota's well. It's just rough everywhere, man. It's, yeah. You're not wrong about that. Uh, NA I'm, I'm so sad for because like we had orgs, like things were growing and losing orgs. It dude, it hurts so much. Like I've talked about this so many times before, but when you have a contract with a buyout clause that like, in protects a certain amount of equity within the system, right? Somebody has to pay money to move you to another team. And that's part of what allows the ecosystem to thrive because people can come in and make business decisions, invest in you as a player, invest in your team, whatever. When teams like JSTORM just pull the plug and then eject your seat the fuck out of there and it's just gone, it's like, all right, that, that sponsored team just went to a salary salary less business associates basically now you're a group of friends playing dota to try to qualify for these tournaments to get a paycheck it's like that is such a night and day difference in reality and there's money lost when those contracts disappear it's like we're gonna take it's gonna take us years to rebuild that lost equity man it fucking sucks yeah i mean undying um quincy zoomers um the best of our scene outside of like um eg really isn't eg pretty much like the only sponsor team yeah in NA? Yeah, yeah i think it's it's literally eg they're the only ones getting salaries in in na yeah that's rough it's really yep. bad <laughs> and i don't know what the the right solution i mean there is a world where like what, what's the valve mindset right free market once it bottoms out that means there's a business opportunity here some genius can come in and scoop up quincy crew for a value play where at least there's no buyout clauses. Um, but even then who's, who's interested? I mean, I wonder if they've even gotten any offers. I would I'm hope sure they so. got offers, but probably nothing that they find interesting. That's uh, my, that would be my guess. It's yeah. just uh, offers that aren't know, worth maybe, the damn. Maybe someone has to settle at some point because, you know, zero income outside of like tournament winnings, which are very minor right now. Yeah. There was no TI last year. So actually, uh, from last year to this year, the 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 prize pool in Dota has been pretty low, pretty low. Unless you're Europe, Europe had nice ones. What do you but, think yeah. they're gonna do with these TI prize pools? Like, are we just gonna get a double TI ten? Like, are we gonna get another battle pass at the end of this season? <coughs> or like, what? What what's your bold prediction of what's gonna happen with the forty million we've already raised? As you said at the beginning of this podcast, what a great way to go full circle. Money's been just disappearing. Um, we were pretty stoked about hitting that big number. N now what? Haven't haven't heard a lot of updates about where that big purse is going. Yeah, my guess is that they're if they do another companion, which they may do because money's nice. Money's always nice. Yeah. But I don't know if Valve really feels indebted to the community to bring it like to give it back to them because I feel I like. Valve might feel like, well, we gave you guys hats. The compendium was the product. That is exactly like, all that how was they the feel content. about it. 
That is exactly, yeah. I can guarantee that is exactly how, like, what do you mean? You, we had some goods, you bought the goods, some of it <laughs> went to this thing, it's over. You bought it, you still have the goods. There you go, yeah. it's done. I, I think they look at Dota, like, I don't feel like they feel responsible, like, or indebted to the community. Like, they, you know, Valve's like, we don't know you shit. I think that's yeah. how they would feel. I'm, I'm obviously, yeah. I don't know. Um, will they do another compendium? They might. Where would where would that money go? I don't know. I think it's against the Valve's uh, interest to do combined price pool, not because it's like so much money that they're throwing it away to the the community, but because I think Valve is trying to purposely beat the TI record, uh, TI price pool record inch by an inch, mm-hmm. so that they make the headlines every year. But if they suddenly make a hundred million dollar like tournament, which just just saying it is so so fucking ridiculous it's not going to happen but like if they do <laughs> then they will not be able to beat it in the following year and they'll be missing out on that headline right and they i think they want that headline so um i believe it's going to be the usual like still ridiculous ti price pull however i don't know what will happen with the the rest of the money i think it might just vanish cuz i think you are right about that whole you, you don't it's going to happen at some point. You won't be able to keep one-upping the prize pool forever, but you want to delay that point as long as possible. So they're not just going to drop an $80 million TI, just combining like yeah. the $40 million with another $40 million run or something. Yeah, um, I think they can continue to beat it as long as they keep inching it. And I yes. think they have the tools to keep inching it. Like They can hustle it because all you need to do is make the compendium attractive enough for just like 5% more attractive or 10% more attractive for people to spend that little bit more for mm-hmm. to break it. I think they, they have full control. They're print, they have the print, uh, money printing machine in that regards, but they don't want to do it. They don't want to put the hurdle so high that you know it becomes so obvious to the yeah. masses. And plus, I mean, if they really get in trouble, they can always cater to China with a couple specific sets. And I mean, we know that that is the big base that really opens up the wallet. So uh, yeah. the... They're they're, yeah. they're waiting, you know. They're they're the sleeper. Um, yeah, or the or the Saudi prince. Yeah, that's true. The whales. I mean, that that's an option. We know Saudi's really looking to spend some marketing dollars. They can't find anywhere to spend it. Apparently, they're trying to buy up movies now or something because they tried esports and everyone uh, had to turn them away after all the fan reaction. So there's money up for grabs. I have had a few consulting phone calls with uh, potential events in Saudi, and every. Both times I have walked away when they get to the point of now you're going to have to toe the line on the talking points about how great this country is for women's rights. And I go, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I, it's I actually just... not that bad there. Yeah, really? Okay. That's, uh, I've been. that's what they said. Basically, one of the like contingencies of funding a big Dota land there would be we would have to run a women's only tournament on the side and like hype it up as... Look, equal opportunity here in Saudi for women and men. Look at this cool, like, I don't know. I've, <laughs> it, it scares me a little to stamp my name on something like that, that you know is, de- it's, I don't know how bad it is, but I know that that's designed to be like a, it, that's all marketing, right? That's it's a really, it, that's a little scary. I don't know. That's, I've never, I mean, have you been, have you been to Saudi? Is it, is it cool? Am I, am I selling it short? I've been there a few times, and every time it's been a pleasure. Okay, all right, that's cool. And uh, yeah, like what I what I, I all I can say is like there's a huge disparity between what was what is media and what was reality to me. And interesting. Yeah. Okay. Extremely different. Extremely, extremely different. Wow. Uh, I'm sure the horror stories are to a degree real. 
Um, Were you there like, for esports or was it other like real life stuff? Just some like personal stuff. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, no, it's fun. Like, uh, it's very different, man. Like, it's actually hmm. like open my eyes to like, hmm, are things really as like they seem? Fuck, dude. But, Don't get me started. What do we really know, man? Oh, God. No, it's really fun. Like, uh, I don't know. It's actually like, it's kind of funny. Once you like experience it, it's like, huh, that's so weird, so different. Mm. But the hate boner is real. So it's like, it is what it is. Yeah. And to say like, to deny some of the things that were committed is also, you know, disingenuous. So like the bad things did happen. Um, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting country. I just watched the Khashoggi documentary that came out about that journalist that they killed at the embassy. And right. That was, I don't know, man, that story is pretty fucked <laughs> that's one I mean, of those documentaries that ends and you're like you know i knew how it was going to end but somehow i'm like way more bummed out than i thought i would be because it's just ubiquitously sad it's just one of those like straight up human right violations and they tortured this guy and cut him up and then just completely got away with it because they got the money like oh it makes me so upset to think about i don't want to get too political but if yeah, you haven't seen is... it that documentary is it's really well done a lot of really good footage this is it is very politics. So yeah, sorry, I, yeah. sorry, my bad. No worries, my bad. I've been reading no, a lot of politics recently. It's on the brain, but uh, it got there. I, <clears throat> I no appreciate worries. it, man. No, I, I appreciate you, dude. You are you are a great podcast guest. You're a, a man of many words, and you've got a lot to say, dude. I, I really, I really appreciate all your insight here. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Oh, the anime. That was the other big one I wanted to ask you about. Um, are you an anime guy and are you excited about the Dota anime coming up? Are you on, are you in the camp of optimistic that it's going to save Dota or is it just like a cool, whatever, but it's not going to make a difference? Um, I think everybody, I think like, I think people know it's going to like, I think people hope that it's going to be good, but I think people kind of know that it's going to suck. Uh, <laughs> and if it's good, then I'll be very, obviously very happy. Uh, keep my expectations low am i an anime gay anime guy um not really uh i think i mean i do like i'm one of those like read the manga uh, <laughs> <laughs> i like i like reading manga because they're quicker and uh there's a lot of like source material that gets omitted in the the anime version because uh, and like i i rarely like dislike that because like hmm. the manga is true to the artist's vision whereas anime is like to the it's more commercial it's like so, an adaptation yeah right um anyway uh I'll, I'll probably watch it right it's coming out on like 25th which is like it's pretty good. soon a like, couple weeks yeah yeah i'll probably watch it in singapore during quarantine even like there you I'll go dude. Binge it. That's yeah, yeah yeah do, do you think uh, it'll make a dent like did you see the thing that slacks is doing with this new player experience do you think it'll actually lead to a huge rush of new players and if so do you think any of them are actually going to stick around beyond like 50 to 100 hours of gameplay I mean, maybe, maybe we'll get a new pro from it. Like you just never know. Like that'd be uh, cool. Yeah, no, I I do think it'll bring in some players. Uh, but Dota is a hard game to get into. Um, and it clearly doesn't care. And I don't even think it's a bad thing when about like new player experience or whatever. Like, uh, cause they just add in like you know 115 new abilities with the shards and whatnot. And like, or 115 or whatever. They they clearly don't care. Like in that, the game as long as the game's fun to play. Um, yeah. Dota makes changes for the players that it has. No, I hope the new players come, man. It'd be great. Uh, so so that I can beat them up with my Smurf. There you go. 
There you yeah. go. Scare them all away. That was I was talking to Cap last Fuck night, em. and one of the things he said was like, you know, I, I would have made a new player experience like eight years ago, five years ago, even three, two years ago. But now, I mean, we're 10 years in. Does it really fucking matter? You've either wanted to try the game or you haven't. Like, you're either going to try it and like it or you're not. Does it matter at this point? And I didn't really have a good counter argument for him. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe this new player experience thing is a sham and the data is such that people get introduced through their friends anyway. And that personalized experience is what's a make it or break it for him. So the tutorial is really just a wash. If you're you're playing Dota by yourself, you're probably not going to stick around. It's a social game, right? That's that's generally what keeps people engaged. Maybe that's the, yeah. the, the data point we're all missing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think anyone really knows the answer to these things. Like, I, I'm I'm pretty skeptical that like new player. Uh, I want them to kill the Smurf culture as best as they can. Like that, I agree with. But mm -hmm. about like uh, player tutorial and stuff, I don't think that's for me. That's not that important. Like if they put in all that effort into killing Smurfs and boosters, I would be. I think that's better. I think that is the tutorial. Playing with other noobs, I think that is the tutorial. Yeah. Just play the game, man, and like just learn like everybody else did, playing with other noobs. But yeah. uh, I think uh, Murph's thing is quite real. Um, it's become way more commercial than like I'm not even like I'm not in the the the, the smurfing scene or the boosting scene, so I don't know really what it is like. But I feel like it's become way more commercial and way more prevalent than ever before. Mm -hmm. I just it's like systematic. I feel like, and uh, how is that good for the game? I don't I don't see how that's good for the game. Yeah. I mean I think it's another one of these things when there's no police force, right? When there's no watchdog, then it it starts to grow, right? It starts to spread. It's like the fucking Zerg. As more people realize, "Oh, I can just pay yeah. 50 bucks to get my account boosted 700 MMR." Well, shit, I make 30 bucks an hour. That's that's a value town. And once that becomes more enabled and more streamlined, it just it all feeds itself, you know? It's, I mean, I don't know what the rationale is. I think they're a bunch of losers, the, the oh. people that buy it, like oh, total yeah. losers. The, the rationale um, is cognitive dissonance. I mean, that's all it is. But um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, it's stupid. stupid. I agree with you. Yeah, it's absolutely stupid. And like, I don't know, man. Uh, I really wish it were gone because I sometimes I'm just left wondering. I'm playing with like other immortals or whatever. My MMR is embarrassingly low, so it's not like I'm great or whatever. But I'm well, seven k, eight k, something like that. I'm like seven k ish, <laughs> sometimes even lower. It's it's really pathetic. I don't know how I can even coach people. I'm a real fraudster. But like, <laughs> I'm I'm still zero point what zero one percent, zero point zero two percentile of the like. And I'm playing this game, and I'm like looking at this guy playing. And he's also another immortal within the zero point zero two percent. Is Dota such a hard game that like these simple things are this hard to this guy? Like it just makes me wonder. Like and Dora is actually really a crazy hard game too, I think, because I played a little bit, bit of like Valorant. And I think it's kind of easy to tell where you fucked up. Um, mm. If you see the guy before he saw you and you took the first couple shots and he got to kill you, you know why. You mm. know why you lost. You just didn't click on his head fast like better. You, you, just, you just suck. <laughs> yeah. There's no... There's, no, there's not there's any no interpretation. Arguments. There's no like I yeah. should have bought this item, I should have done this. It's 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 a pretty straightforward set of variables. Yeah, you Dora missed it. is just so like it's just so <laughs> hard to convince someone that like, hey, like you can't be here. Like we can't be in the same screen right now. And the guy's just like you, you just think you're toxic, but you're like actually like, dude, we just can't be on the same screen right now. Mm -hmm. Like you can't you can't show like these things are just too hard to convey. It's, right. these, it's so hard to convey. 
It's a game of Weird inches, game. and there's just it really it's so much data and so many variables. That's why it's so addictive. Because even for like the best of the best of the best, it's hard to say at any given moment you played a hundred percent perfectly optimally. <clears throat> you know, you played like a robot. You played like OpenAI or whatever. Because there's still other. You can always abuse the fog of war a little bit more. You can there's there's always something you can min max a little bit better. It's beyond the human scope to play Dota flawlessly. Like no one has ever played a perfect game of Dota, right? Yeah. It's, no, Dota is a, the best game that I've ever played. I mean, it's so good that it's ruined my life practically. <laughs> like it's it's pretty much ruined my life until I made a life out of it, right? Like it's such right. an amazing game. Are uh, are you dating at all? A little personal? I don't I don't know what your personal life is like, but what is it uh, for a full time Dota coach working six days a week? How's the Tinder game out there in Korea? <laughs> well, I wouldn't know because I don't Tinder up here. Uh... Yeah, no, I'm 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 in a relationship. Uh, huh. It's been not easy, I think, through the COVID, but it's going okay. Is your SO a gamer, or are they totally like outside the Dota space? No, not a gamer, not a Dota player. Oh, okay. So is that hard, like, to find that balance? Like, do they get it? Do they understand your crazy love and passion for this fucking video game? Or is it like, because that's something I've struggled with. They're like. You know, Midas mode, that was like three months of my life of just everything else is on hold. I have to focus on this. That's a hard thing for people outside of esports to understand. Like, they just don't get it. Like, why Why do you care about this shit so much? Why are you willing to put your life on hold to do this thing? Why is it so important to you compared to our relationship? That's like a tough question to answer sometimes when you're sucked into esports world. I, I don't know. I, I mean... My my partner seems to understand. Okay, I'm okay yeah, with it. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm not very good at this stuff. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm just always curious about uh, re- real life balance stuff because, like, uh, gamers go in, you know. So it's just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it leads yeah. to interesting stories. But anyway, man. Well, I think we can wrap it up here. Unless you got anything else, I uh, really appreciate your time. This has been a blast. Oh, I think I talked a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Very good. Well, folks, uh, make sure you check out Fanatics Run at the Major uh, and give somebody a follow. Are you streaming or anything these days? Anything you want to plug here? Twitter, Facebook? Where where can people find you? Uh, you can. I'm I'm not really streaming much anymore. So please, uh, there are some people that kind of sub still. Not a lot, but please don't. Because uh, <laughs> please save your money. Um, you can follow me at Twitter, Sambidora, and uh, you know, shout outs to everyone that make all this possible. Um, uh, my manager plus uh, Dota director Eric, he puts in a hell of a work to make our team function. Fanatic and all the sponsors, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, see us, uh, see our running at Major. Hell thank yeah, you. dude! There you go. Well, good luck. I'll uh, catch you later. Peace.